Now, next Sunday we start a new series, and uh, I am uh, I'm excited about it. I mean, what do you expect me to say? I got a new series started. I'm not excited about it at all. It wouldn't make sense, would it? But it's called it's called a Jesus kind of life, and and really, so that you understand, I'm going to give you a little pastoral talk here. Um, <clears throat> Building a church today and growing a church is harder than it's ever been. Last year, 1.2 million people left the church. We don't need church. We don't need the experience. Everything about culture draws people away from a commitment to Christ. Just we don't need it. We have a church here, I won't mention the name, it's a wonderful Baptist church, one of the largest churches in Lakeland at one time. We communicated the other day, their property's for sale, the church is closed. Why? It just went dead. The only people that remained were, pardon this, were the few old people that started with the church many years ago. There. My research, I saw another church says, closed, this was just the last two months, closed until further notice, just like 10,000 other churches. We're not in business anymore. Now, may I suggest to you that that is the desire of the enemy. And in culture today, see if you can't capture this, the culture today does not encourage you to want to be faithful to any church. That's a fact. There is a part of culture that says you need to have some religious move. This is not a part of the message, okay? This is a pastoral talk. That you need to have some religious, you got that? Mooring. Because we know that the fiber of society, you got a religious part. And I can tell you that that cannot be that's further from the truth. Religion won't do anything for you. Relationship with Jesus Christ is not a religion. It is a personal relationship with the Redeemer who died for you and me. But if I have, if my, if my culture convinces me that check off once a month, go into church, check that off. I've done my religious commitment for the month. And that's, that's what culture teaches. So if you understand 1.2 million walked away, and churches by the last report in 2015, 30,000 churches closed. Why? Too many other things to do. The new series... <clears throat> deals with the fact of causing us to understand what it means to make the kind of commitment that says, I will commit my life to Christ in my church. Now, Victory Church is a young church. We're 29 years old. A young church. Most churches in the area, many of them that have buildings anywhere close to ours or facilities, they're 100 years old, 115 years of age. You may remember there's a little Baptist church right up the road 
that a couple years ago the pastor said to me, we cannot, we won't have to close the church. We cannot make our, I don't remember what it was, our ten dollars or $15,000 payment for insurance. We're just going to have to close it. All we have here is a bunch of old people. And I came and I mentioned it to you. And I said, that's not going to happen. And so we wrote them a check for $15,000 and said, here, pay your insurance bill. It's a little Baptist church. I don't care what denomination you are. If you preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and the enemy sin because of that bill, we're not. And we're going to sit by and let that happen. That just doesn't need to happen. You see, I have reached 60 years of age. And here's one of the things that I've learned. That once you receive information, get this now, once you receive information, you have to ask God for wisdom and how you deal with that information. So if I have information and it relates to the kingdom of God, I, once I receive it, have to make a decision with what do I do with that information. I can say, forget it. Doesn't bother me. Or I say, no, that's, that's something that I have to do. Victory Church, 29 years old. From the get-go, when we started, we have never looked back. Never. We developed this campus. We bought all this property in, in different segments. First that we bought was the Family Worship Center over there. And we, we owned that, but we didn't own this property. Our property line somewhere between that building and this building. But we're buying it in chunks over a period of time until we owned it all. And that's, that's what we did. We just kept buying it in chunks. You know, we kept growing. And so we believe, but we always had missions at the forefront. But understanding and never looking back, you're going to have a numerous program to say, we're just really busy. Let me tell you, the churches that are dying and out of business kept reducing and reducing and reducing and reducing until there was nothing left except close the doors. Well, let me tell you the genre of the leadership here at Victory Church. It's not about reducing and reducing and reducing. It's about, God, what more can we do to reach one more soul for the cause of Jesus Christ and reach people? So as we understand that, I am responsible, as your leader, responsible to say, let's cast vision, let's reach people, let's continue to build, let's do it through programs, let's do it through small groups. Now, here's what I know. Most people go to church. Many people do, and I'm, I'm easy on the 75. I know at least 75, and the other is 80. Uh, are not engaged in a local church. They go, show up, and we, we want you to show up every Sunday, but we don't, you, we don't want you to just show up. We want you engaged. And for you to grow, that's whether or not it's engaged in a small group or whether or not you use your gift and, and your talent. And as you use your gift and talent, the church begins to grow. I, I, will, I will say this. I think I want my great-grandchildren and my grandchildren 
and I have nine grandchildren, one great, that I want them to drive by this church if the Lord tarries 30 years from now. I want them to look at this building and this property and say, well, it's stronger now than it's ever been. Amen. It still has the same mission. It's still going and blowing. It's not backed up. I, I think that culture has a unique way to take us off the mark of what our priorities ought to be. The priority in my family is on Sunday, you went to church. You went to church. So we talked about small groups. We're going to talk about engaging in your talent and your gifting, your, your ability, whatever gift that God has given you. This is a real step, so I'm going to be careful. I think the church functions under a spiritual guideline. And there are many weddings today. I'm just one of those. I've done weddings on the beach, weddings in the middle of a cow pasture. You've got to watch where you step. <laughs> I've done weddings where they're on horseback. <laughs> All over the place. But let me tell you where I really like to do a wedding. Because of 30 years, 30 years goes by and that couple goes by. That barn is not there anymore. And that cow pasture is gone. But when you drive by your church and say, that's where I got married. That church represents a spiritual foundation because marriage is the foundation of our society and family is the foundation well pastor i mean what am, i've got my wedding schedule scheduled anywhere scheduled in outer space i won't be there i'll send some people i think belong in outer space but i won't i'm just kidding so i'm just i'm just telling you i'm just telling you those subtle things we have to be careful of amen all right did i, did I get two or three amens amen. thank you that's good enough how about the balcony two or three amens some of you, God bless you. Here we go. Jesus teaching. It's in the message today. And it's the final message that we have in this series, Turn Up the Heat. How many of you know what temperature water boils? You got it? How much? All right. Then that's page one of the notes. Got rid of that. The first week, we talked about the value of turning up the heat and attending church at least once a week. Second message, we talked about the importance of uh, community and being accountable to one another. The third week, of course, we, we talked about the value of using your testimony and engaging and living the count. So you do your devotions and, and you read your Bible. Let me just tell you something. You will never get up to 212 degrees if you don't do your devotions and you don't do your prayer and you do not read your Bible. You will never get to 212. I'm telling you flat out, it will not work. And you will live a haphazard, non-committed, self-serving Christian life unless you nail those down. Is that pretty straight? Okay. Today we're going to talk about understand the power of serving. 
Now, I know what time it is, and this message, I know how many pages that I have the Lord has laid on my heart. I do preach it a little better and a little quicker. You've been around a while. Amen. You see, our spiritual life was designed by God. You agree with that? Our spiritual life. Spirit man in us. We don't care what kind of body you got. What size body you've got, muscled up, whatever, flimsy, floppy, whatever. <laughs> you still have a spirit man that resides in that body. And that spirit man was designed by God, patented by God, dedicated to you that that spirit man would come back into the presence of your heavenly Father and not go to an eternal hell. So God gifted you with that spirit, man, and he said, now, the choices you make, the way that you live, the way that you receive what it is that's presented to you will determine heaven or hell. Anybody tells you that there is no places at hell, just give them the local newspaper. And you'll see more evil and more things that are against God than you could ever imagine. If you say, God, I want more of you, more of you, more of you, God says, pay attention. Create the disciplines. You want to, 12, turn up the heat. The heat doesn't get turned up automatically. And for that to happen, here's what. The best place to be at a game, football, baseball, soccer, name it all, is on the field of play. Isn't that right, Ray? Get out there on the field, buddy. Come out of the stands and come on out here and let's get. How many of you played sandlot or backyard football? Amen. Amen. How many? Well, anyway, the best place to be. This is what God is saying to us in this message get out of the bleachers and come down here to the field of play. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. He says, I want you to make yourself and your spirit man available. I want you to ramp it up. Here's a letter that I received. My life used to be about one thing, me. I was self-serving in every way. I had neither purpose nor passion for my life. I was just living recklessly and my life was miserable. I filled it with cheap thrills, women, until I came to church and heard the message of Christ. And I felt I don't have anything to lose. Might as well try this. So I gave my life, not totally understanding, to Jesus Christ. But the message also said, if you give your life to others, as Jesus did, you'll find real life. He said, I didn't have much to give. What's the use? He said, I started serving. They preached on serving. My relationship with Christ moved from being a baby Christian to a mature Christian. He said, for me, going to church became exciting because I felt needed. I felt wanted. I felt I had now friends there and friends that were committed to this thing of Jesus Christ. And he said, I can honestly say without a doubt that my life now is richer and more powerful because I'm engaged in serving people and building the church where I faithfully attend. You see, there comes a day in every believer's life when we desire to say, I want to turn up the heat, and no matter what you do, you will never reach the potential 
of spiritual dynamic unless you learn the secret of this message today. It is the secret of serving. Now, why should I serve? Say that with me. Why should I serve? The cross is the only answer that I have. The cross. For here's what Jesus did, the second person of the Trinity, left heaven, suited up in human flesh, and came down to earth and got dirty and bloody, abused and crucified so that you might be redeemed. It would have never happened had he stayed on his throne in heaven. That's why. That's why the value is so important. He put on that uniform, and this is what he said in Mark's gospel, 10, verse 45. I did not come to be what? Served but to serve and give my life as a ransom of many. I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. I did not come to be served. I came to serve. I did not come to be served. I came to serve. Those words are dynamic in your personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And once we are redeemed we still have an option to say, I can serve or choose to be served. And 80% of the church today is choosing to be served. I mean, why shouldn't I be served? I give offerings there. Why shouldn't I be served? My family helped build that church. Why shouldn't I be served? You should be served. But if everybody is a be server and no one is a server, it won't be long and the be servers won't be served anymore and the church will close. And that will happen as it's happening by the thousands in our culture. Understanding that, then God, where does that preach to me, Pastor? Where, where does that land me? What is important for me? And so we, we understand that our goal is okay. I want to understand all the other three. I want to be in church. I, I, want to, I want to every day get out of bed. My knees hit the floor. I want to get in my word. And, and I want it all day long to be engaged. And I want to be engaged in some group of fellowship and accountability. Um, and I, I just want to serve. Now, my dad uh, has gone on to be with the Lord. Uh, I left home at 19 or so. Uh, my dad was not a deacon when I left home. He became a deacon later at First Assembly of God there in Winter Haven. 
but Quentin Edwards was the pastor, and they had a bus ministry. My dad owned uh, two businesses, and those businesses were open six days a week. But on Sunday, we went to church. I mean, it didn't, he didn't ask us, are you too tired to go? Nope. There was no options. We got up. My mother fixed a big old breakfast. We got ready, and we went to church. And then we didn't have any options to be able to exercise when we got cars and we could drive on our own because all of our friends were at church. Do you know what I'm saying? Listen, Mom and Dad, be careful that your friends of your students and your children have some kind of relationship with a local church. Are you listening to me? We went to church. And that's where our life was. But my dad, of course, they had a bus ministry. They had 15, I don't know, 10, 12, 15, 20 buses, whatever, bussing children in, ministering to them, et cetera. My dad said, hey, I got a business six days a week, both of them. I got to be sure the inventory is there. Got to check the profit margins, be sure I'm always in the black. Got to be able to continue to invest, et cetera. That's, That's how I make my living. But on Saturday afternoon late, He would go down, check the buses, be sure they're fueled up. He was certain that all the rubber on the buses, the tires were good, batteries were up. He was certain they were in good running condition or order. If a driver drove a bus and said brakes had a problem this week, he was certain to get the brakes. He was not a mechanic, but he took it to the shops that he knew and said, this bus is out of order, it's got to have this, etc. Sunday morning, he left before daylight, and he would go check the buses again, crank them up, be sure they were warm, and then he would get home for dinner at about 2.30 on Sunday afternoon, and then Monday morning, get up again at 4.30 or 5 o'clock and start the business. That's where he could serve. Hey, Dad, why do you do all that? He said, when you see those kids riding on that bus and you think that the devil's got a target with every one of them to miss heaven, just maybe one of them will come to know Jesus Christ. That's what I do, he said. That's what I do. As I understand that, this this is one of those messages, I don't expect you to get Holy Ghost chill bumps. But in that process, it was part of the lesson that he taught me all my life. And so Paul steps forward. If God says, I want you to serve, and you say, "Um, I don't have anything... I'm not any good at anything. Oh, yeah, you are. Paul steps forward, and this is what he says in 1 Corinthians 12, verse number 1. He says, God ordained you to serve, and God has given you at least one spiritual gift, one gift that's used, one. Most of you have more than one. And by the way, gossip is not a spiritual gift. I'm just telling you. It's not a spiritual gift. Paul said, I don't want you to be ignorant about your spiritual gifts. Everybody's got one. He says, now about your spiritual gifts, brothers. I don't want you to be ignorant. Verse 4, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit that distributes those to individuals, and there are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. So he says, he has empowered you and given you a spiritual gift to be used for God's purpose. But here's what happens. Uh, For example, one of the gifts that God gives people is the gift of making money. How many of you know someone that says it seems like everything they touch turns to green? They just make money. They know know how to do it. You know, they know how to do it. I can tell you 
that that is a spiritual gift. But God never intended for a person who has the gift of just making money, not printing money, but making money, to use that to hoard for themselves. He gave them that gift that they might share that with the kingdom of God. So we understand, we honor God. Well, my DNA is leadership. Some of you have the gift, the DNA of leadership. Some of you have the gift of academics. I mean, you can take a book and you can say, oh yeah, this book, this semester, sure. Take the test and have a B plus or an A on it. A guy like me looks at the book and says, my Lord, that right there represents about 50 hours of solid study and highlighting every line in order to make a good solid C+. How many know what I'm talking about? But some of you are just brainiacs, and I hate you. (laughs) It's the way it is. Others of you have the gift of that you're empowered with spiritual gifts that says, okay, I've got the gift of mercy. And I mean, you just drip with mercy. And guys like me, I've talked to God about this. I've talked to God, how did you call me in the ministry and you didn't give me that supernatural gift of mercy? God said, because you're going to have to work on it. And so I've worked on it and now I have the gift that I have developed over the years with mercy, if you deserve it. (laughs) Some of you have the gift of compassion. Some of you have the gift, here's one that everybody can, it's the gift of helps. Here's how I relate that. How many of you love it when someone that you employ or somebody that walks up to you and you've got the task of doing something and they say to you, whatever you need me to do, I'm going to do it. Whatever you need. Wouldn't it be, ladies of the church, wouldn't it be wonderful if your husband went to you and said, listen to me, sweetheart, this week I want you to know we're on vacation and we're staying home, but whatever you need me to do, you won't have to ask twice. I'll be all over it. Whatever you need me to do. How many of you ladies would say a good amen? Yeah. Well, let's change that. How many of you guys? If your wife said, listen, sweetie, you old handsome hunk, you. We got vacation means we got plenty of time together this week. But I want you to know, oh, Lord, whatever, darling, you need me to do. This week, I'm going to do it. How many of you men would say amen? Amen. Now listen, men. Whatever you needed me to do for a man and whatever you needed me to do for a woman is totally two different things, okay? (laughs) Just setting the record straight. Setting the record straight. But whatever you need me to do, may I ask you a question? Should God expect that kind of attitude out of us? Whatever you need me to do, just tell me when. He said, I've given you the gift. Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant. And there are numerous gifts. You know, my first church, I I told you many times, just seven, two on Wednesday night, 
It's like I didn't have anybody to turn to and say, would you do that? We, I cleaned the toilet. Sharon did. We swept the floor. We mopped it. We dusted the place. We mowed the lawns. We, we did all of that. There was nowhere to turn. The old bus, we had to start a bus ministry, old ragged Ford. I mean, they said, the engine is good. I said, that's good. I mean, it had holes in the side of that bus that big and in the back. And I thought, you know, I don't care for a few holes. Uh, but, and, and the engine was good. What they didn't tell me is the transmission wasn't. And so we paid $500, and I, I got Bondo. I filled that hole in with newspaper. I put screen over it. I put Bondo over it. And I mean, patched that baby up. I mean, sanded it off really good when I wasn't on the other two jobs that I already had. And then I found somebody that I said, do you know how to spray? And yeah, I know how to spray. Have you ever, I mean, how many cars have you done? I've only done three cars. I said, good, would you do the bus? I've never done a project that big. I said, I don't care. It looks a whole lot better with some kind of paint on it than all those Bondo gray areas on it. And he sprayed it up and we put that thing on the road. I drove it and drove it back, picked kids up, whatever you need me to do. But listen to me, friend. That won't really matter to you until you get to heaven. And in God's big panoramic screen, I'm going to say, look what you did. Look at the people that you touched because of your gift. Look at the people you influenced. Look at this one. They would have never made it without you. Do you remember when you sacrificed? They would have never made it without you. We don't think in those terms, but God does. And it happens in the arena of sin, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to serve. So as we understand, I get reports here of business owners who don't even have grandchildren who work in the nursery back there. Say, hey, I can serve there, you know. And by the way, everybody that works back there has been checked, background checks, amen? So you understand that. Individuals around here that drive buses, et cetera, I mean, we've had some of those people hit the main column out here on the church, forgot to put the bus in park, got of it, and she just rolled right into the main column. <laughs> what are you going to do when it's a volunteer? <laughs> That's why I move my car when it gets about church time. Telling you the truth. It's, it's volunteer. But they have a CDL. CDL doesn't mean you can drive, but anyway, <laughs> put them out there. You see, we understand Paul and Jesus. Jesus said, Okay, I want you to serve. And that victory, we've talked about small groups last week, and you can sign it for that because you see. I want a church tomorrow. I want people engaged. I want people to understand what it means to be engaged in some area because just coming to church is not enough. So we engage and lead people because as your pastor, I can get up here and preach. Give me one of those little green... Forbes, y'all have one? Ladies and gentlemen, Tim Blackburn, my <laughs> oldest son. So let me just talk, let me just tell you where it's at. I preach 
about four times, at least three times, if not four times a week. Most of my friends preach one time a week. That's Sunday morning. That's it. Now, most of their churches are not growing. Because I said, why? Because that's all culture wants. Well, look at me. All my face. I'm not directed by culture. I despise culture dictating to the church how the church ought to behave. I think we're in the world's meal Bible. I think the the church ought to be led by this book right here because it will never fail you. It is all wisdom. It is powerful. It is dynamic. And it will not change tomorrow. This book is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's right here. Well, how much do you want out of us, Pastor? Everything. Because I think that's what Jesus requires. Well, you think I shouldn't have a family life? Hey, everybody ought to have a family life, and you ought to have a happy family. But here's the challenge. To say, I just don't want to check in. I don't want to do anything. Here's what I know. 80%, 75 to 80%. I'm good with 80 because I've studied and studied. So 80%. You know what that means? I'm I'm a graduate of Eagle Lake Elementary School. One red light still today. But I know that if 80%, 80%, 20% is engaged, that means 80% is not. So if I wanted to be selfish, you know what? Why should I engage? I'm one of the 20% while the other 80% ain't doing nothing. That's yard talk. But you know what? That's not what we do. What we do is this. I am 60. I had a lady tell me this morning, I look gorgeous. What do you think? She whispered, amen. It was real low. I'm 68. I feel good, but I've only just begun. This church is 29 years of age. We're going to be storming, norming, reaching lost people, continuing with programs, continuing to prod people, continuing to reach out and do everything that we can to get one more person into Christ. I will not let this church get on a wrong focus and direction. We're going to stay focused. We're going to stay engaged. And I'm going to keep prodding people, leading people, and say, come on, help me out. We almost there. Come on, help me out. Because when the trumpet sounds, I'm going to jump sky high. Amen. I'm not going to look back. I'm going to look up and say, hallelujah. We didn't give up, quit, or anything until we went up by the grace of God. And I'm going to say to culture, you don't own this place. You don't own these people. You don't influence these people because they are covered in the blood of Jesus Christ by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Devil, you have no place here to present your wares. We're going to keep loving people and honoring the Lord. I know you guys go nuts when I get out here, so I'll walk backwards. Everybody understand? So here's the deal. You got it in your bulletin. Look at it. So I'll leave it to look at it. It's got two sides to it because we can serve paper here. 
You got it? Here it is. Hold it up and let me see it. I got it. There it is. So what is the deal here? This is what Sharon's, one of her new phrases. Here's the deal. I'm saying, we didn't talk about it. Here's the deal. It's got your name and address, all that. You see all that. There's some things that you, you, you need to put. Please check one of the following. That's kind of a directive. I'm already an approved volunteer, and I currently volunteer with the teams checked above. So you're already engaged. We still want you to turn in a file. I commit to volunteering with the following ter- checked above, teams checked above. Now, which service or non-service time do you prefer? You So you can do it. So here's what we're going to do. If you look at this, we're going to take in Tim's department, and others are going to say, okay, where can you fit? You know, we're not going to, where can you fit? Where can you, where can you do something that makes you feel good about what you're doing? What can you say if someone says, you go to Victory Church, yeah, what do you do there? Fifth row from the back. What do you do there? Well, I've never been asked. Not after today, baby. <laughs> never been asked. So you look at this side. I know some of you are going to have an excuse going to say, why do y'all print it so small? I can't see it. You got spectacles, you got glasses. I'm 2020. First one says, <laughs> adult plus seniors, children's ministry. In other words, we're asking you, Sarah, what do I think I do? You put down what you think's come from. My dad completed one of these one time. It was bus. John, we did somebody be sure those buses. Now, let me tell you, when my dad committed to something, hell or high water, it was going to be carried through. It's going to be done. And he didn't go by and ask anybody for money. <laughs> He'd reach in his pocket and say, hey, you can't find a check. I'll pay it myself. You know. Wouldn't it be wonderful to have a whole group of individuals in your division who understand that? See, 100%. Isn't that wonderful? Well, that's where it's at. So I'm asking you to buy in. If you haven't already, if you have bought in, we want everybody to fill one out, right? right, Everybody, Everybody, like everybody. How many know how many everybody is? Everybody. Everybody. So, and get it completed and and check some area and turn it in. Now, where are you going to turn it in? We have tables in the lobby and we have a table out here in the breezeway. All right? You say, well, that's not convenient with my path, how I get out. Don't make me. Or you can do this. You can say, you know, Reverend. See, I automatically know when they say Reverend. You know, Reverend. That was a good sermon. I don't have any sermons. Sermons are for the chosen frozen. I have a message. Amen. If I say I have a sermon for you, you know what you do? Human nature says, I'll put up the walls. 
You don't need to preach to me today. But I have a message. If I don't give you that message after I say it, eventually you're going to say, well, what was the message that you had? You can do one of two things. You can take this, and you can look at it, and you can turn it in, and then some of you will put it in your Bible, and you'll forget about it. And you'll hear me next week and Wednesday night saying, get it out. And you can say, okay, but I'm going to be one that I'm going to complete it. So here's what I know. Here's what's going to happen. 10% of you will take it and complete it and turn it in today. 10%. How do you know that? I've been doing this a long time. I know the numbers. So you can say, I want to turn it in. Or you can take it and you say, Reverend, I thank you so much, but now I know what happened to the one I had in the first service. I wadded it up. And you can take it and you just say, you know, just right there in the pew. People really do that? Ask our maintenance team. See? That's what you can do. You can just do nothing. Wad it up. But when you do that and you wad it up, Leave your name on it. (laughs) Where I can come to where you live. And together we can unfold it. (laughs) And you'll be glad I did when Jesus comes. (laughs) I'm so glad you came to my house and undid it for me. You sweet, you know that. You so sweet, man. So everybody got it? How many got the message? Say amen. Amen. Help us out. Help your church out. Would you stand? Father God, we love you. I love this church. I love these people. I love every last one of them. I thank you for them. I thank you for everybody. God, and how wonderful it is to have this huge crowd by the thousands between first service and this third service and lakeside thousands and thousands of people who call victory church their home six plus thousand how wonderful it is we pray that you'll speak to every heart and every life we have people that we need to win we have programs that needs assistance we need the dna and the talent assessments of every person to be used by you We ask you now, do it for your honor and your glory. We stand on your word. And Father, for those that might be listening now whose heart is not right with you, maybe they've just kind of wandered away or maybe they've never really been serious and they've been playing spiritual games and they've never really nailed it down, what it means to make a spiritual commitment with the disciplines of growing. I pray you'd speak to their heart. I pray right now you would let strong conviction, which is the love of God initiated by the Holy Spirit to identify the need in their life that you desire to fix. There's nobody here wealthy enough not to be involved. There's nobody here busy enough not to be involved. There's nobody here poor enough not to be involved. There's nobody here retired enough not to be involved. We all want to be engaged. In Jesus' name, 
we hear your sweet words say to us, wow, you paid attention. Look what you did. And look at the faces of these people that you helped me redeem. Let that be so in the name of the Lord. Amen. If you need prayer, I know we're about to dismiss in a moment, but if you need prayer, James 5, 14, any sick among you? There's some of you here that this is your morning for a deliverance for God to relieve a burden off you. I caught a woman in the hallway going out of the first service, and the minute I laid eyes on her, I know who she is. I called her by name, and I said, wait a minute. There's something wrong with you, and there's something that you are facing. I need to pray for you right now, and she began to weep. And I laid hands on her and prayed, God, release to her the anointing that you have for her life and take the pressure off. You see, that's the God that we serve. This may be your moment. As we sing and others are leaving, you slip on down here. Let us pray for you. So, Father, we ask you because tonight we're trusting you. This afternoon, God, I pray everybody who's going to get a nap will get a good nap, but let them wake up. In Jesus' name, bless in this room now. This is your church. Help us, Lord. And everybody said, amen. Be careful how you leave the parking lot. Not everybody drives like you do.
still stands. Great is your faith. 